Uh, last week, we kicked off a new collection of talks called Closing the Books. Closing the Books. And here's why I believe this, this series is important, because I believe as we close out the year, God's calling us to close the books on some things in 2022. So we can walk in what he has for us in 2023. And I believe tonight as we lean into his word, we're going to hear from him. And I want to start in Ephesians chapter 5. I've been challenging us to, to bring a Bible, to open up whatever you use to take notes. But let's get ready to lean in to God's word and believe that he's going to speak to us. I love this text. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, this is Paul speaking. He says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But amongst you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather let there be thanksgiving. For of this, you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person is an idolater and has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And I believe that's important we understand what he's saying. He's, he's not saying isolate those people. But make sure you set yourself apart and set the example for them. I want you to get that. So he says in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Verse 9, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what they do in disobedience and in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I love this right here. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Some of us, we just caught up on our Bible reading plan for the year, and I'm excited about that because tonight I want to speak to you from this idea, light, darkness, and Egypt. Light, darkness, and Egypt. You know, as I've been following Jesus, what I've learned in my life is oftentimes God speaks to me through people. Anyone resonate with that? God speaks to, to us sometimes through people. Oftentimes in my life, it's, it's through my wife, it's through my friends, it's sometimes through mentors and people that I give access to speak to my life. But here's what we know. God also sometimes speaks to us through things, right? Last week, I read from Exodus chapter 3. It's an interesting, it's a peculiar moment where God, he speaks to a man by the name of Moses through a bush. Strange, okay. But here's what I realized. God speaks to me in peculiar ways as well. And one of the ways God's been speaking to me is through uh, this small horse, and I talk about him quite often, uh, my dog named Maverick, okay? I call him a small horse because he's 65 pounds. He's an Australian shepherd mixed with a poodle. He doesn't understand how big he is. He jumps on the couch sometimes, and literally his, his, his backside's like all up in my grill, you know? And it's just like, bro, like, understand your territory. And God's been testing me because it's like, yo, 
I, I got to learn some patience. I, I got to learn how to like, you know, take my time and be still. And I got to also learn some self-control. But it was so interesting. I remember last time I spoke about Maverick in a sermon, um, something super strange happened. So I'm going to bind and rebuke it. Michelle, this will not happen again. Last time I spoke about Maverick, about maybe seven months ago, and I remember it was on a Tuesday night. I was talking about how our dog just came back from obedience training, and now he's like a new dog, the best dog ever. When I came back home that night, what I realized is there was something wrong with Maverick, and after that, there was about two days that went by, and Maverick wouldn't eat, he wouldn't go to the bathroom, and it was just super, super strange. So Michelle was like, we got to take him to the vet. How many of you know that just means dollar, dollar bills, right? Like exciting vet bills, love it. Take him to the vet. And the vet's like, sir, um, we got to give him an x-ray. Dollar, dollar bills. All right, cool. So you start doing the x-ray, and the lady, she comes out with the x-ray, and she shows us, and she's like, sir, there's, there's something inside of Maverick's small intestine that doesn't belong there. So I'm like, he's going to poop it out, right? It's like, unfortunately, we have to perform an emergency procedure. I look at Michelle like, girl, I ain't making that decision because if I make that decision, we ain't going home with a dog today, unfortunately. <laughs> Gonna get emails about this later, but that's okay. If you were in my position and saw that bill, you would say differently. But I look at this dog and I go, I love my wife, man. I just want my wife to be happy, man. I'm like, are you sure he's not gonna be able to poop it out? She says, sir, I'm positive and we have to perform this procedure quickly. So Michelle goes, all right, we'll do it. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll do it. Sure, here's my credit card. <laughs> and what was the most strange thing about all of this is literally they sedate Maverick. Here's this 65 pound dog like spread eagle on this table. They sedate him. And the crazy thing about, us, about this whole thing is they invite us into the room where they're getting ready to do the procedure. So they cut him open. The surgeon starts pulling out all of his intestines out of his stomach, and I'm just sitting, I got a weak stomach. I'm like, oh, Michelle, hold me, you know? Like, so they start pulling out all these small intestines, and finally, and I couldn't wait when she was like, yo, there's something blocking his small intestines. I'm like, Michelle, I'm telling you, this is the biggest mistake ever. I'm positive it's your fault. They pull this thing out. There's like a lump in his small intestine. And the doctor, he's like pointing at it. And I'm like, I see it, man, I see it. He cuts it open. And out of Maverick comes one of my football socks. Let's just say that's the most expensive sock in the world to this day, okay? And he's like, do you guys want to keep the sock? No. What's so interesting about that, in this moment, God spoke something to me and he's saying, Mark, there's, there's some things in your life that don't belong there. There's some things in your life that don't belong there, and they're blocking you from having a quality life. It's blocking you from having the abundant life that I've called you to live. And I believe it's critical that what we look at in our lives, that we expect or inspect what's in our lives, and we call out the things that don't belong there. And we call it out that we make some changes and that we pull the things out of our life that don't belong there. I just want to submit this thought to you. I believe some of us in our life, we have some habits. We've got some ways. We've got some, some tendencies. We've got some behaviors. Some of us got some relationships in our life that don't belong there. They're out of place. And I believe God is saying, you've got to get that out of your life to experience the life that I have created and called you to live. 
I believe some of us need to just get a reality check. This is not me coming at your neck, but I just believe it's the reality many of us live in. Like, I just want to ask this question. Has anyone in the room ever found themselves in this place? I call it a spiritual rut. You know what I'm talking about? Like, where you just feel like there's no momentum in your relationship with Jesus. Like, you feel spiritually stuck. And you just feel like, man, something is not right. I know I'm not living the life that God has called me to. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, that's because you still have some darkness in your life. The darkness in our life that he speaks about is sin. And the Apostle Paul, he's writing, it's important you understand context. I believe it's always important when we look at Scripture that we read it in context. The Apostle Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 5, he's writing to a group of Christians, many of which were new believers. I love Apostle Paul. He's brilliant. He's writing to one of the most influential cities in this age. And he's calling out this church. He's saying, hey, there's some things that you guys are still doing that you can't do any longer. Your followers of Jesus start living like it. And I believe that's the mandate to the church of today as well. I believe that's what God is speaking to some of us in the room tonight. There's some things in our life that we've got to get rid of. The first thing the Apostle Paul says is live as if you are light. Live a life of light. How many of you know as a follower of Jesus, we're called to emit light. We're called to radiate light. We're called to be a light. And not only that, we're also called to be fruitful. And he speaks about both of these things. He says you should be a light, but you should also be fruitful. And I believe in this moment, it's a call out for the church of today. Because many of us, if we look at our life, what we realize is there's some improper behaviors. There's some improper speech that we have. There's some improper tendencies. There's some things that we do, some actions that we have that go against what it looks like to live in the light. That's what I want to speak to today. So when it comes to following Jesus, I just want to clear the air because some of you, maybe you're new to the faith and you hear a message like this and you go, man, well, the standard is, is perfection then. The, the standard of following Jesus is not perfection, friend. The standard of following Jesus is progression. Yeah. E- each and every day, here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to just take a step forward. Take a step forward. Start living like and looking more like his son. But many of us, what we don't understand, in order for us to live in the light, there cannot be any darkness in our life. To live in the light, we we can't live and accept darkness in our life. And I just wonder if some of you understand, it's one thing to sin, but it's another thing to live in sin. Like some of us are like, man, he's coming for us tonight. He's just going for it. But I just want you to understand, this is not me coming at you. But I need you to understand, in God's eyes, he, he is okay. He knows that each and every one of us, we make mistakes on a day-to-day basis. That's why he sent his son. None of us can uphold the standard of perfection. But, but he sent his son because he knew that we would make mistakes daily. But there's a difference between sin and living in sin. And I believe many of us, we call ourselves, we'll be the first one to say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, all these different things, and we, we come and we sing the song, everything is changing now. But in our life, internally, we, we, I just don't sing, I'm sorry. <laughs> but we know there's some things that, that aren't changing. We, we know there's some things that, that are stuck inside of us. We, we know there's some darkness still that resides in our life, and the Apostle Paul is saying, that's the thing that I want out of you. That's the thing that I want out of you so you can live as a light. And it's when we're not dealing with our sin, I believe we find ourselves in this place of spiritual darkness. Some of us, it's it's not just spiritual darkness, it's emotional darkness. Some of us, it's mental darkness. And not only is it for some of us those three things, but it keeps us from living the quality life that God has called us to. 
And I'm just trying to help you close the book on those things that are keeping you from living that quality life. And tonight I wanna help some of you understand because I believe when, when we get in these spiritual ruts, we start getting frustrated with God. And then we think God is the issue. Like, God, why are, you, why are you just allowing me to do this stupid stuff, God? Start pointing the finger at him. Start calling him out. Start believing he is the issue. I just want to remind somebody today, it's not God that's the issue. It's the sin in you that's the issue. And I believe if we want to start producing fruit for God, if we want to start producing, we got to start looking at what we're consuming. If you want to start producing fruit, if you want to start radiating light, if you want to start emitting light, you got to look at what you're being filled with. And more times than not, we don't realize it. In today's day and age, it's a lot more darkness than it is light. God's not the problem, friends. It's what we're allowing to come into our life. I want you to get this. If we want to change what we're producing, we must first inspect what we're consuming. If we want to change what, what we're producing, we must first inspect what we're consuming. We got to ask this question, well, what's filling me? Like, man, what's shaping me? What's shaping the way I live? What's, what's shaping the way I live my life? And I love what the Apostle Paul says in verse 8. There's a reason why he says we are called to be a light. He says, yo, you should live your life as a light. Because how many of you know light is powerful? Light is, it's powerful. See, light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per hour throughout our atmosphere. Light is powerful. There's power in light. There's force in light. But not only is light powerful, light is also purposeful. Light's, light's purposeful. It has meaning. It has value. I think about the moment all the way in the creation account, Genesis chapter 1. God creates the heaven and the earth. Then he creates light. And he looks at the light. He says the light is good. And after he creates the light, what does he do? He, he separates the darkness from the light. He says, light, light is it's powerful, it's purposeful. How many of you know, without light, you couldn't see anything? Without light, there would be no color. Light, light is purposeful, but not only is it that, it's also pure. Light's pure. You're probably wondering, why is he talking about lights? Got it, bro, it's powerful, it's purposeful. But I'm talking about light because God is light. In 1 John chapter 1, we read this in verse 5. The scriptures tell us that God is light. It says this, this is the message we, had, we have heard from Jesus, and now we declare it to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Verse 6, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. It's deep. We're not practicing the truth. Verse 7, but if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See what John is saying? He's letting us know if we're going to live as followers of Jesus, we got to step out of the darkness. we got to walk in the light. we, we got to step out of darkness. we got to walk in the light. So what is darkness? Darkness is sin. Darkness is sin, and I don't want you to think, man, like, he's just throwing rules and religion at us. This is not about rules and religions, friend. This is not about either of those things. What this is about is a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, because of darkness, because of sin, how many of you realize we needed a Savior to rescue us from death? And what I want you to understand is God is light, therefore he overlooks the darkness so we can have relationship with him. God is all-powerful, he is sovereign, therefore all the darkness that we see in today's day and age, God has authority and dominion over it. 
And what does that mean? Because he has authority and dominion over it, all of his followers, all the people that choose to follow after him and declare and decree that he is Lord and Savior, he's going to take them into the light. He's going to take them into the light. And not only that, but your life will emit light. Why? Because you have something called the Holy Spirit. I'm teaching a little bit before I preach, but you have the Holy Spirit. And what the work of the Holy Spirit is, the Bible tells us he's an advocate, he's a counselor, he's a guide, he's a helper. And he helps us live the life that we've been called to live. I'm going to use a really big churchy word. It's called sanctification. The Holy Spirit, it sanctifies us. It changes us. It transforms us. It helps us emit light. It helps us radiate light. And many of us, we, we, we feel stuck. We don't feel like we're living in the light. Why? Because we're quenching the Spirit. And we're grieving the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to feel like, man, he, he's in my chest tonight. I just got to teach what God's Word has to say to us because I believe if I don't teach this, many of you, you're going to stay in this cycle of sin and think there's nothing wrong. And I'm just trying to be your friend. I'm just trying to be your pastor. I'm trying to be big bro and help you understand. God wants you out of the cycle of sin so you can walk in the life that he has called you to live. And where there's light, there is no darkness. I want to go off the cuff with this because I feel like this is a great issue in the church today. In 2022, not even in the church, but in the world, in 2022, we can all agree that all around us, everything we see, there's a lot of darkness in it. I was playing golf with a buddy of mine named Albert the other day, and we were talking about, yeah, Albert, we love Albert. Come on, give it up for Albert in the back. And we were talking about movies, and I love when I was asking Albert, yo, like, what have you been watching? And he's like, you know what? Sad reality is there's not many options for me anymore. I just feel like everything has an agenda that I see when it comes to movies. Even the most innocent things, Disney Channel, got an agenda today. Some of the places that we go, we can't deny there's darkness there. Some of the things that we hear our coworkers talking about at work, there's darkness there. Some of the things we see on social media, some of the things we see in politics today, there's darkness there. And I'm here to remind you, the Apostle Paul said it in verse 8, these are the evil days. And in the evil days, there's darkness. And I believe it's a moment for the church not to shrink back, to get bold and start emitting the light, start being the church of Jesus Christ and radiating the light in a world full of darkness. We're not shrinking back. God's not moved by any of the events that we see today. I feel like some of us believe, like, man, mass shooting takes place. God must be moved by this. All these political divisions. Man, is God really sovereign? Start hearing about all of these crazy different things that take place on social media and that we hear about in the news and things taking place all throughout the world. And we go, man, could God really be in control? And I just want to give you some doctrine today. I just want to help you. I just want to help you understand God is sovereign. God is in control. He has never moved off of his throne. Here, here's some theology. Here's some doctrine for you today. Scripture tells us that there will be darkness around us here in this era, in this time. Why? Because God, he's in heaven. He's seated on the throne. He's allowing Satan to believe he has dominion over the earth. He's allowing Satan to believe this is his playground. He's allowing Satan to believe he is in control. But the good news is this. There's an appointed time that only God knows when he's coming back for his church. And here's what I want you to understand. 
He's not coming back in the form of a servant like he left. He's coming back as a savior, as king of kings, as lord of lords. He's coming back statured in glory. He's coming back statured in power. And he's coming for his church. He's coming for his church. So we don't shrink back in darkness. We stand tall. We stand firm. We are the church of Jesus Christ. I ain't shrinking back in 2022. I'm not shrinking back in 2023. I'm not shrinking back in 2024. I believe God has called us to be the light now more than ever. We gotta stand firm. Can't shrink back, we we can't be like the crowd. Don't move with the crowd. Not called to move with the crowd. Called to be set apart, called to be different. I want you to know today, I I think we don't even realize how how the enemy is, is just cryptic. And how you just kind of like just throws himself in our day-to-day life. Like, we don't even realize it. I think some of us are oblivious to it because if you really thought about it, many of us would be a little more careful with what we watch. I just feel this in my heart. I just really feel passionate about this tonight because I believe that the enemy, he's throwing subliminal messages into some of our lives. He's showing up in our lives through the things that we're watching, whether it's TV, movies, social media, the places that we go, the things that we're allowing our eyes to witness. The Bible, in fact, says that our eyes are spiritual windows for the soul. What are you allowing into your soul? The Bible tells us to guard our heart for everything flows out of it. What are you allowing into your heart? If you don't realize what you watch, it flows from your eyes into your mind, into your heart, and it comes out of you in actions. Not only do do we need to look at what we're watching, some of us, we need to be observant of what we are listening to. This is a conviction of mine as of lately. Your boy loves a little bit of good music, okay? Yeah, I know I'm a pastor, but you know, I can listen to some R&B from 2000 and all that different stuff, and I'm married, okay? So, life's changing a little bit though, because I've got, you know, my daughter Harlan, our daughter Harlan, and this girl's five months old. But sometimes, Michelle, we, we have like these dance parties in our house sometimes, and, and it's just she and I, and we just get crazy, and we just do what we want to do. Sometimes it's like fun to dance to your daughter because she just like stands there and she's like looking. She doesn't know what's happening, but she's just like throwing her hands up in the air with this grin on her face. And remember a song came on and I was like, man, Michelle, should we, should we be listening to this? Like, like, she's like watching this. Like, Michelle, what, what do we do about this? And it's like, oh, let's put her to bed, you know? We'll get back to this song in a moment. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I have like a sense of conviction because it's like, man, if I wouldn't want my five-month-old daughter to listen to it, why should I listen to it? I just feel like we got to get honest with ourselves. Some of us, we don't realize how the enemy, he's shown up in our homes. He's shown up in our day-to-day through what we watch and through what we listen to. And not only that, I believe that when we identify some of these areas, we got to cut it off. We got to make some changes. I was talking to a young adult yesterday uh, in my office, one of our staff members. It came into my office and they were sharing with me that they felt convicted about some thoughts that were coming to their mind. Felt a little convicted about some things that they were saying and some of their actions. And she had started sharing with me that she made a decision to uh, turn on the button that uh, disables all explicit music on Spotify. She told me after that, not long after that, what she had realized it was what she was listening to and watching that was feeding some of her actions. Psychology and science would actually point to you and give you and provide you research and backing 
that what you listen to and what you allow into your eyes and what you allow into your mind, it actually has a direct correlation for many people to mental illness, psychological illnesses, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And can I tell you, that's just not by chance. That's the scheme of the enemy. That's a, that's a tactic of the enemy. What you need to understand is what you're filled with always affects your actions. I think about what Apostle Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5. He reminds us what we're filled with, it matters because it affects our actions. It says this, we're going to pick up in verse 15. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because these days are evil. 2022, these days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine. It leads to foolish, sinful living, but instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some context what's happening in this moment. In this era, in the church of Ephesus or in the region of Ephesus, many of these people, they would participate in what's called pagan worship. It's worshiping false gods. It's worshiping idols and all of these goddesses and all of these things in that era. But they wouldn't just worship. Many people believe they would drink day in, day out from morning into the evening, getting drunk in the city streets, and it would lead to having sex and impurity with random strangers and all of these different orgies and all of these different activities that were not acceptable in the eyes of God. So what Paul is saying is, don't be filled with those spirits, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll sing a joyful song unto God. You'll produce fruit with your life. You'll begin to emit light. You'll begin to radiate light with your life. And how many of you realize, maybe you don't want to admit this in church. Maybe I'll ask it this way. Um, has anyone ever seen someone drunk before? Yeah. We're in church. You can raise your hand. It's okay. I'm not asking if you've been drunk. Okay? You've seen someone drunk before? How, how many of you realize um, when, when someone's under the influence, well, there's, there's two types of people when they're drunk. First person, when they get tipsy or when they get drunk, they think they're like the sexiest thing since sliced bread, right? <laughs> they just think they're like the finest thing ever and everyone else around them gets a little bit finer as well. <laughs> Can I say this, babe? Okay, the other person, it's not my wife, I promise, it's my wife. It's not my wife. The other person gets super like emotional. Like, you start drinking, and it's like, he hurt me. It's like, like, happened like 10 years ago, you know? What you realize is like, man, like, for the person that, that starts thinking like they're the sexiest thing since sliced bread, in their heart, there's some pride. In their heart, there's an ego. For the person that starts getting super emotional, it starts revealing what's taking place in their heart. But either way, it always points back to the way you live. Either way, it always points back to what you're filled with and it shows up in your actions. So what is the Apostle Paul saying in this moment? Don't be filled with those spirits, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna live the life that God has called you to live. 
You're going to emit light. You're going to radiate light. Don't be filled with the foolishness and the darkness and the ways of the world. How many of you know alcohol, it has the power to reveal what's inside of you, but so does the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we got to pay close attention to what's in our heart. I believe we got to start paying more attention to what, what, what we're allowing to fill our minds. Some of us, we have this unhealthy desire to get wealthy. Therefore, what is produced? It's produce, it produces greed. All we're thinking about is getting rich, getting wealthy, all of these different things, and it's unhealthy, uh, unhealthy desire to get wealthy. And what does it do? It produces greed. For some of us, we have this unhealthy desire to be an influencer. What does it do? It produces ego and pride. For some of us, we have an unhealthy desire for recognition. It produces idolatry. For some of us, we have an unhealthy desire for control. What does it do? It produces anger. For some of us, we have an unhealthy desire for possessions or position. So what does it do? It produces bitterness. For some of us, we have an unhealthy desire for fleshly satisfaction. What does it do? It produces impurity. And you may not realize these are the things that are killing you slowly. We call this the seven deadly sins. These are the things that literally kill you. How many of you realize we got to kill sin or sin will end up killing you, says John Owens. We, we got to kill some habits. We got to kill some of those ways or to end up killing and corrupting us. All of those things that I just spoke about, they produce an action. They produce a behavior. They produce a tendency. They produce a habit. And the Apostle Paul is saying, yo, you got to get rid of that. You want to live as a light? You want to honor God with your life? You got to get rid of that. As I close, last week, I preached from Exodus chapter 3. I spoke about this moment where, where God, he, he speaks to this man by the name of Moses, and he says, Moses, I, I want you to set my people free. It's important you know God's people, the chosen people of God, the Israelites. For many years, they were enslaved. They were held in captivity. And God was speaking to Moses saying, Moses, I want you to go to the Pharaoh of that day and I want you to tell Pharaoh, set my people free. I want to deliver my people out of slavery. I want to deliver my people out of bondage. I want to deliver my people from oppression. I want to deliver my people from the darkness. And finally, Moses, he, he conjures up the faith to go and do it, the confidence to go and do it. He goes to Pharaoh and finally Pharaoh, after a while, God softens his heart and he, or God hardens his heart. Then in response to that, he finally releases God's chosen people and says, go. But all along, God wanted the Israelites to focus on his promise. And the promise was that he wanted them to go to the land of Canaan, land flowing with milk and honey. This was a land of provision and of promise. And God's like, yo, I want you to go to the land of Canaan. And how many realize on the journey, as they are on the journey heading to this place that God had called them to after they were delivered from Egypt. About two years after they were delivered, they start questioning God. In the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, we see in this moment that the Israelites, they go, God, life was so much better before this. Why can't we just go back to Egypt, God? Why can't we just go back to the place that you delivered us from, God? Not only that, in Numbers chapter 14 verse 3 through 4 it says this the Israelites said this unto the Lord wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt then they plotted amongst themselves let's just choose a new leader and go back to Egypt let's just go back to the place that God had freed us from let's just go back to the place that God had pulled us out of that God had rescued us and I believe 
Some of us don't realize it. In fact, psychologists would use this term associated to that called the Stockholm Syndrome. And it's when someone returns back to the thing that was harming them. I believe some of us in the room today, we may not realize it, but spiritually we got Stockholm Syndrome. I don't want you to miss this because some of you in the room need to get a revelation. You continue to return back to the thing that God rescued you from. You got Stockholm Syndrome. I'm returning back to the porn. I'm returning back to the relationship. I'm returning back to the bad habits. I'm returning back to the hurt. I'm returning back to the brokenness. I'm returning back to those people. I'm returning back to that crowd. I'm returning back to that club. I'm returning back to that addiction. I'm returning back to that drink. Friend, that's the thing God freed you from. You don't gotta go back to Egypt. You don't gotta go back. God wants you on the journey taking steps forward, not backwards. You don't need to go back to the place that he delivered you from. He called you out of that place. And some of us, we're getting frustrated with God because here we are two years into the journey of following Jesus, but we're still struggling with the sin of 2020. And we're angry with God. And friends, the issue is not God. The issue is the sin in you. And God is saying, Would you focus on me? Would you trust me? Would you come to me? You got a God-sized void in my heart. Stop going to the things of the world. Come to me. We got an urge, though, to go back to the sin. We got an urge to go back to these things. You don't got to go back. I just feel this for someone in the room. Some of you, to numb the pain, to fill the void in your heart, you keep going back to that thing. And I love what God says in Numbers chapter 15. Verse 41, he tells Moses to tell the people of Israel, as they were frustrated with God, as they're frustrated with Moses, as they want to go back to Egypt, he tells them, I am the Lord your God, who bought you out of the land of Egypt, that I may be your God. I am the Lord your God. I want you to get this in your heart today, friends, so let God be the God to sustain you. Let God be the God that promises to heal you. Let God be the God that promises to deliver you. Let God be the God to promise and bring you through and transform your life from the inside out. Let God be God. He's the God that delivered you. He's the God that will take you through the pain. He's the God that will step into the void of your heart. Let God be God. Simple word for some of us in the room, we gotta stop trying to get from the world what only you can get from God. We gotta stop, we gotta cut it off. And as a pastor, I just wanna be real here. Because there's been so many moments in my life I feel like going back to the thing that God delivered me from. Even in my own life. If I just wanna be real with you and give you a glimpse of my story, at the age of seven years old, I was exposed to pornography for the very first time. And I will never forget that moment. As I had some friends over and I trusted them, they were on my parents' computer and they they brought up this website and I remember it felt like all of my innocence was stripped from me in that moment. And I remember that moment literally followed me and it haunted me and it bothered me and it plagued me, but it messed with me and the enemy used it to set into my mind that women are just an object. And it showed up in my relationships when I started dating as a teenager 
Nothing was built on emotion. It was all built on the physical. Started objectifying women. Started to see women not as a woman created in the image of God, loved by God, created by God. But as just someone that I could flippantly go and sleep with or get something out of. And it haunted me. It ruined me. And I'll never forget the moment where I said, God, I can't do this anymore. There's something wrong with this guy. Remember going out late at night sometimes with friends, coming home in the morning and just laying on my back with this overwhelming feeling of conviction, like I just can't get this right. The Holy Spirit reminded me, you're right, you can't get it right. But I can get it right for you if you surrender and if you trust me and if you obey me and if you bring it to me. Mark, you can't get it right, but I can get it right for you. And as your pastor, I, I just want to be, I, don't, I just want to be real, man. I, I feel like today in this day and age, we've got a problem in the church with too many pastors posturing themselves as if they're perfect, as, as if they've got it all figured out. Friends, can I just tell you the truth? You bleed, I bleed. You're tempted, I'm tempted. We're all tempted. But that's why we need God's help. And that's why we need God's grace. And that's why we need God's mercy. I'm weak, but he makes me strong. And you're weak, but he makes you strong. You don't got to go back to the thing he delivered you from. You're breaking free from Egypt. You're moving past Egypt tonight. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not the perfect pastor that, that does all the incredible things. I love my wife. I serve my wife. I honor my wife. And I'm so grateful. Many years later, I can look back and say, God, you've been so faithful from delivering me from these things. You've been so faithful, God. You've been so faithful. It's not me. It's your doing in my life. It's not me, God. It's you that's working through me and you're saving me and you're sparing me. I'm not perfect. Some of us, we need to partner with each other. We just need to make a decision. I'm putting a line in the sand. I'm standing for what God has called me to live for. And I just want to give you a practical handle to doing that. If you're a follower of Jesus, I believe if we want to live in the light, if we want to live the life that God has called us to, if we want to step out of the darkness, here's what we need to do. We need to ask ourselves better questions. I know this sounds cryptic, but we got to ask ourselves better questions, questions like this. Are my thoughts and actions honorable in God's sight? Do my actions represent that of a follower of Jesus? I think about these two things. The Bible tells us Philippians chapter four. Therefore, think about whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is good. Like are my thoughts, are they honorable in God's sight? Are my actions, are they reflecting that of a follower of Jesus? Something I believe all of us need to ask is, does this Point me to God's purpose for my life. Fill in the blank. Does this music, does this show, does this relationship, does this person that I follow on Instagram, does this place and space that I keep on going, does this point me to God's purpose for my life? Not only that, some of us need to ask this question. I love this question. I was hanging out with uh, one of our good friends, Anna Walliver, and she asked this question. She goes, what am I allowing to feed my flesh? Man, I think that's one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself at the end of the day. 
Like, man, what have I allowed in my life to, to feed my flesh? But not only that, some of us need to ask ourselves, what am I doing to be filled by the Spirit? Like, man, am I actually fasting? Am I taking a time away from some things to get clarity, to get a greater revelation from God? Am I spending adequate time with God in the morning? Am I challenging myself to maybe move from five minutes to 15 minutes in my quiet time? My friends, you gotta work out your salvation, Philippians 2 tells us, and the way we do that is by intentionally making a decision to say, I'm pursuing the things of you, God. I'm pursuing the things of you, God. And I believe when we ask ourselves these questions, here's, here's what we can do. We can look at the fruit of our life, we can look at the light of our life, and see if it matches up to the life that God has called us to live. And if it doesn't, and there's a discrepancy there, that's the thing you gotta work on. That's the thing the Holy Spirit's trying to reveal to you. I want you to work on that. So as I close, here's why this is important for us to understand today, friends. John Owen says, kill sin or sin will be killing you. Some of us need to make a decision to kill some bad habits in our life because our bad habits are slowly but surely killing us. And here's what I know to be true. The enemy, because he's the father of lies and he's, he's smart, he's, he's cryptic in the way he moves, he, he reveals sin as fun instead of deadly. He, he always shows you, the, the, the enemy, he always illuminates the sensation and not the shame of sin. The enemy, he always illuminates the fun but not the destruction. He always illuminates the pain, or excuse me, he always illuminates the passion and the pleasure, but not the pain. And some of us need to understand the very same thing Jesus died for. And he's saying, would you just turn to me? Would you repent? Would you confess? Will you surrender this thing to me? Some of you are just living your life tolerating it. He's saying, surrender. Bring it to me. Would you bring it to me? Would you surrender? You gotta be killing sin or sin will be killing us.